Check this out, y'all. Audio level full volume. It's your time. This is Border to Border with Matt Josephs. He's super famous. This guy's a fraud, a phony. I respect women. I love women. I respect them so much that I completely stay away from them. Matt, your manliness is overwhelming. Sports, 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 sports. Audio level full volume. It's go time. Here's Matt Josephs on Richmond's 1061 ESPN. Good afternoon, everybody. Border to Border, 1061 ESPN. Matt Joseph's here on a Friday, a football Friday. If you are a CAA fan, if you are a Virginia Cavaliers fan, if you like any of the uh, academies, one played last night, two played tonight. So there is some college football on the television tonight, and we'll certainly get into that over the next hour of the show. And of course, there's baseball and other things going on but we got plenty of college football talk and plenty of nfl as well a a nfl game last night we'll get into that in just a moment and we'll get into some other things with you 327-0888 that is the phone number that is the text line 804 is the area code for the show coming up on friday today uh you know how we do at 315 tim Murray will join us. Tell us where we should put our money on tonight's game, on any game. Um, We will certainly tell you about that. Uh, We'll update you on the Deion Sanders sunglasses story because obviously there are some updates there. And we got some other stuff as well. Um, I generally think coaches' shows are relatively uh, worthless for the most part. But there was a pretty funny Nick Saban moment on his coach's show this week that we will uh, play a little bit later on. Uh, gave you the phone number. Uh, so let's get into last night real quick. So last night, the Eagles beat the Vikings. And um, it was not a great game. But here's the thing that I think people kind of... It's a weird society we live in where teams can win games and, and the fans can still be miserable. Like It's just one of those situations where if you listen to your team's sports radio... Whether it's Philadelphia, New York, Boston, whatever, you can win a game and everybody still calls up and is miserable. Last night was not a great looking win, an aesthetically great win, but it doesn't matter because good teams find ways to win when they're not at their best. And that's what the Eagles did last night, beating the Vikings. And once again, I could sense the people, and I'm surprised they didn't get any texts or anything that said, hey, you made fun of Kirk Cousins yesterday and he threw four touchdown passes. This is what Kirk does. Like, let's be completely honest here. Minnesota had no chance to win towards the end. Yes, they were an onside kick away, but the NFL has essentially made the onside kick an impossible play. I think I saw something like it was like less than 10% of the onside kicks between now and then have, have, have gone through. Like, the NFL has made it almost impossible to get onside kicks. But, like, the Eagles were going to win that game almost no matter what, and Kirk Cousins still manages to put up his numbers, still manages to throw four touchdowns, 364 yards passing, and that's what he does. And he takes advantage of, A, having the best wide receiver in football, and, B, he takes advantage of the rules, which make it so easy to get 300 yards passing if you try – and now I hear some people like, well, Kurt, Jalen Hurts didn't do it. Yeah, because the Eagles ran the ball f- uh, 48 times last night and had success. Ah, uh, ha, ha. The Eagles game plan last night felt like what the commanders should be doing when they play their football games. Basically just doing as little passing with uh, Sam Howe as possible and having Brian Robinson and uh, Antonio Gibson and Chris Rodriguez just run games into the ground. Now, none of them are as good as DeAndre Swift. Um, None of them are probably as good as Rashad Penny when he's healthy. But still, like the, the commander's offensive line is built to run the ball. 
And that is what they should be doing. That is what he should be doing. Problem is, you hired Eric Bieniemy, and that's not how Eric Bieniemy rolls. Eric Bieniemy wants to throw it, wants to get guys out in space, which is fine when you have the Kansas City Chiefs personnel. We'll get into the Commanders game a little bit. I want to take the Commanders on Sunday. I want to, but I feel like this is one of those things where I have to see them actually win a game in this situation. I have to actually see them as a team who legitimately is probably better roster-wise than their opponent, but it's on the road. I have to see them win the game before I actually do it. They're still a a three-and-a-half-point favorite. There's a chance I would take Washington plus the three-and-a-half. But I have to actually physically see them do it, and I have to see them take some growth, like take a step. Yeah, your first week running Eric Biennemi's true offense, it was hot and cold, Against Arizona, let's see him do it against a better defense this coming weekend. Uh, The other thing I want to bring up, and here's the thing, and I've seen so many people on Twitter talk about the touchback rule, the touchback rule being stupid. Here's my thing on on the, uh, the touchback rule. And you can tell me, Robert's into that. You can tell me if I'm wrong. It's not the dumbest rule. Of all of them. You know why it's not dumb? It's the simplest thing. Don't fumble the football. Just don't fumble it. Hold the football. Like, I understand we're trying to reach. We're trying to do these other things. But, like, if you just hold the football and do not fumble it, then the rule doesn't come into play. Yeah, I mean, that—that that is that is true. I, I personally hate it because I feel like it punishes a player that's trying to lunge in the end zone, make a play for their team. I, I always thought maybe they get it at their at like the ball comes back to the 20 yard line or something i just the change of possession thing is just so extreme for me i mean but here's the thing if justin jefferson wanted to he he like there's a difference between throwing the ball out and like reaching out which he did but like he didn't have the ball no that is so true. like if you don't have the ball and you reach out and you fumble the ball into the end zone like you shouldn't you shouldn't get the ball right so I mean, that is one way to look at it. That's true. I mean, I'm just saying, like, if you it, there's different situations, it's a situation by situation thing, and there's so many people on Twitter who are like, "Well, if it happens to the Eagles, you'll hate the rule," and it'll depend what it is. If the guy has the ball and it's like a you know a different kind of fumble, Justin Jefferson last night lunged out and almost threw the ball at the pylon and didn't have it, and it went out the back of the end zone. That's that's a fumble. You hit the ball in the 20 yard line. I just. It's one of those things where the rule is what it is, and there's a lot of people who think it's stupid, but to me, it's a very simple fix. Hold on to the ball, or control it at least, before you go and lunge. And by the way, you do get the benefit of the doubt that the moment the tip of that ball touches the line for the end zone, it's a touchdown. So while it is unfair that if you fumble it into the end zone and out the back of the end zone that you get at different places... The end zone is the only place where you put the ball out. The moment it touches that line, it's a touchdown. So there is some benefits to this magical line that is the end zone. That, that is true. So, so, so bringing up the complaint on Twitter, what are your thoughts on the pushing Jalen Hurts to the end zone? So now, obviously, as an Eagles fan, it's you're the person who can speak on it the best. No, so I hate it. I okay. hate it, but it's it's legal. That's, so you, that, that's how that's how I view it. it. Everyone else has the opportunity to do it. They just can't do it as well. As Jalen Hurts and the Eagles, it it, it it I think it's a terrible play, but I'm not going to sit here and say. I mean, it's it's not illegal. It, it should be until it's illegal, though. What what's wrong with the Eagles doing it? That's why people complain. I don't get it. Yeah, I saw the tweet. The Giants fan who's out there is like, it's the worst play in football. We need to get rid of it. I agreed. I actually think I said when they were discussing whether to get rid of it that I had no problem if they do get rid of it because it is essentially rugby. And remember, I believe, pretty sure in college football, you can't push. No. So. That's the whole thing where 
And this is the other thing it's, it, it, that annoys me when people say, oh, I don't like the brand of football college football is with the, the clock continuing to run. So you don't like the NFL then because it's essentially the same thing. That's the other kind of like thing I hear. But yes, I am not a fan of the tush push, but I mean, it's legal and it's, it's so simple. It's so simple. And people blame the Eagles for like, oh, that ruins football. No, they're just being smart. Until it's illegal, why not use it? They have a great offensive line and a quarterback that squats whatever he squats. He's just a great method to get in the end zone. Yeah, anybody can do it, or at least they could try and do it. Like if somebody did it and there was a penalty, or if somebody did it and it didn't work, like I would understand it. But like you can't sit there and say that play sucks as they continually. He's missed it once. Fourth, fourth and one or a touchdown, he's missed it once in his career. It's literally unstoppable. It literally is. So do it. Do, do Have your team do it. Your team is stupid for not doing it instead of the Eagles being stupid for doing it. So, yeah, there were people who were complaining about that last night. I'm telling you, I don't like the play, and I get concerned every time they do it that somebody's going to roll up on Jalen Hurts and all of a sudden like we're going to lose him because of this. Like I almost would have Mariota come in and do it. But it's legal. It works. So keep doing it. Yeah, I hope my team doesn't start doing it though. Yeah, your team to do that. To his brains would be scrambled so quick in that thing because when somebody takes a knee to his helmet, whatever, like it's just, I hold my breath every time the Eagles do it. Yeah, I mean maybe Josh Allen and the Bills, but most quarterbacks they can't do it, so the fans are mad because the Eagles they have the ability to do it. Right. Don't be mad. Because people always get mad at Belichick when he finds these new wrinkles and he finds these things. He, like, studies the rule book. Like, what was that last thing he had? Like, he had something about substitutions or whatever that, like, he studied the rule book and found in there. And it was a loophole. And he took care of it. And, like, don't be mad at other people for doing more work. That's usually what it was. The Belich- The Belichick teams were never the most talented. They were just always the smartest, most prepared. And it's not their fault. They know the rules better than you. Right. Exactly. Like, just don't get mad. Just have your team do it. Get mad at your team for not doing it. Like the Giants fan, like Daniel Jones. Daniel Jones can do it very easily. I mean, he looks pretty strong, potentially. Or go get, like, uh, you know, a bigger, stronger quarterback. Dante Culpepper would have loved doing that. Dude, Dante Culpepper was huge. Uh, 3270-888, that is the phone number. That is the text line for the show. Did you say Bruce? Oh, no, I was, I was saying uh, I need to go to break soon. Okay, we will take our break because Tim Murray is waiting from VEASAN. We will get his thoughts on the game tonight between Virginia and Maryland, get his thoughts on Tech and Rutgers, uh, among other things, as we get you set for the college and pro football weekend ahead. You're listening to 106.1 ESPN. All of baseball on your radio dial. There's a reason to keep it locked to 106.1 ESPN Richmond. Your home for the Atlanta Braves and the River City. Welcome back. 1061 ESPN Matt Joseph's here, taking up to four o'clock. Plenty of college and pro football this weekend, starting tonight in a game of local interest. We'll touch on that and a bunch of other things with our next guest. He's on at 315 every Friday. Joining us now from VSIN. VSIN Primetime, 6 to 9 p.m. Eastern Time. It's Tim Murray. Tim, what's going on? Matt, what's happening? Uh, we are uh Fired up for another week here. Uh, yes, uh, week three of college, week two of the NFL, and it starts for us tonight here. Virginia mm-hmm. and Maryland, two teams who hate each other in basketball, and I guess they also hate each other in football. Uh, what's your thoughts on this one? The Who's over a two-touchdown underdog in this one? Yeah, it's been interesting to watch the market today. Uh, this got as high as 16.5 as some spots, Matt, here in town, but has bounced back down to 14.5, 15 for this game. Um, I I don't really have a play on this one. My my thought would be this, and and maybe you could uh, glean more a little bit than you know I from where you're sitting. But 
you know, we know that last Saturday was was obviously an incredibly emotional day for Virginia uh, on a multitude of fronts. You know, first and foremost being uh, the the celebration of of uh, the players who lost their lives last year, and then to play James Madison, to be up double digits, to lose that game, and now you've got a short week going to Maryland. I don't anticipate it to be really a raucous crowd or anything like that, uh, but it's a short week, and I do think Maryland, Matt, coming off of a, a lackluster performance against Charlotte on primetime, I think Maryland's going to be pretty focused for this game, so... Um, if anything, I would look a little bit towards the Terps, but I don't know if I necessarily want to lay north of two touchdowns. But that was my that was my inclination, Matt. Was uh, I just I'm curious the mindset of this Virginia team after that gut wrenching loss uh, on Saturday at home to James Madison. So I've been saying all along this week, uh, Maryland first quarter coming off of being down 14 nothing to Charlotte, you know they're going to want to start fast, and they, they I think they emptied the emotional bucket last week, and I think putting Tony Musket back in is a downgrade from Calandria. Um, so I, I think Maryland comes out fast, and I took Maryland minus uh, three and a half in the first quarter. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you mentioned Tony Musket getting a start here, so I mean, that's I don't think that's uh, super inspiring for uh, you know to have the Monmouth transfer being the guy there against Maryland. So yeah, I, I think you know I watched uh, you know Mike Loxley in the locker room. Uh, after the performance coming back to beat Charlotte, and he was, you know, positive. But, hey, man, that's the thing they're putting out on social media. I would imagine he ripped into those guys because they came out, as you mentioned, uninspired against Charlotte. And I think, you know, it, it does feel a little bit like, hey, let's 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 put this stuff together. Let's be three and zero. Let's make a statement going into Big Ten play uh, for the Terps. Uh, anything really big on the other two games? Army, UTSA, Utah State, Air Force. If not, we'll move on. No, I was. Uh, I, we're going to have a poll question on Veasan Primetime tonight because if you put all three favorites together and they're all at home, it would be around a minus one hundred five to minus one ten money line parlay. And I'm I'm asking who's going to blow this? You know, because one of them is. And I think it might be UTSA. Frank Harris probably is not going to play here for the Roadrunners. Uh, Army, it's hard to tell what they are. They lost to UL Monroe on the road week one. They beat Delaware State, who's got to be one of the worst FCS programs out there. And then Utah State and Air Force, you know, this is an important game for me, Matt, because I have a pretty big position on Utah State under uh, their win total. So uh, I need Air Force to take care of business tonight. But, I, you know, if... Forced to play it, maybe I'd take some points with Army. The only hesitation I have there, Matt, is, you know, this unique new offense where they're running a lot of shotgun. I mean, I know Navy was able to cover last night and really had an opportunity to win that game late, and that was a, a play that I liked. But, you know, that was 14-and-a-half, 14 last night. Tonight you're sitting at around a touchdown. So uh, I guess a little look towards Army, but I think I'm going to sit uh, sit tonight out and, and wonder uh, who's going to end up blowing that money line parlay. <laughs> All right, uh, so there's some interesting games involving the state tomorrow. We'll start out with Virginia Tech-Rutgers, which is uh, interesting, and Rutgers are two opposite things. But <laughs> Virginia Tech's number one wide receiver, definitely out. The number two is questionable. The quarterback is questionable. Their offense is questionable without those guys. But can you trust Rutgers laying that many points? I think you might have to look under here. Um, I mean, Rutgers is defensively, at least to this point, has shown they're they're capable, right? But, you know, the offense is, is rather you know, lackluster. Um, they've only allowed 14 points this year, albeit against Northwestern and, and Temple. But 
I, I think, you know, as you mentioned with the injuries that Virginia Tech's dealing with, I mean, that total is, is wildly low. I mean, it is now down to 36 and a half pretty much across the board. I mean, that's Iowa, Iowa State style there. So uh, I think this could be a, a pretty ugly, low scoring affair. So, you know, maybe you look towards taking the points. I don't know. Uh, I mean, uh, I, I bet against Rutgers last week and, and got burned. So uh, I'm not going to, I'm not going to do it again here. Chopping wood. They, you know, for Rutgers, if they want to get to a bowl, they really need to take care of business in the non-con. And to their credit, they've done so already with two wins. I'm going to lump the other three games in together real quick. Old Dominion coming off that win against Way- uh, against Louisiana. They've got Wake at noon. Interesting game. Liberty against Buffalo. Fresh off Buffalo losing to an FCS team. And JMU, whose coach on Tuesday said practice was a little bit of a concern. Focus was a little bit of an issue. They've got a road trip to Troy, one of the best in the Sun Belt. Any interest in any of those three? Yeah, I've actually bet two of them. Um, I took three and a half with Buffalo. Um, I, I, I always look for spots to potentially back teams losing to FCS opponents. Not always, but Buffalo did this last year. Buffalo lost a Holy Cross last year and then rattled off six straight covers. And I'm going to take the points here with Buffalo. I think these teams are around to pick them. Uh, you could still find three and a half at DraftKings. And, you know, Liberty, while they've taken care of business so far this year, Matt, I mean, what can we really learn from beating a absolutely terrible New Mexico State team and a Bowling Green team that, you know, is is also I mean, those those might be two of the worst power five teams in all of college football. So, you know, Liberty's not gonna apologize for winning those two games, and I'm not expecting this to be any sort of crowd situation there up at Buffalo, but I, I think this should be more around a pick. I think you're getting a little bit of uh, overreaction because of Liberty's two and start and Buffalo's O and two start including a loss to an FCS opponent. So I actually played the Bulls. I took the three and a half uh, with Buffalo in that spot. And then, look, I think situationally, I played Troy on the money line. Um, you know, I'm not saying that James Madison's going to overlook Troy by any stretch, but we just talked about it. I mean, you go to Virginia, and while people across the country might think, well, who cares? James Madison, Virginia, what does that matter? I mean, those are two public schools in the state, and the two big boys are Virginia and Virginia Tech, and James Madison walked into Charlottesville, down double digits in the fourth quarter, and won that game 36-35 with 55 seconds to go, and now you got to travel down to Troy, and Troy just got obliterated last week by Kansas State. So, I think this is a spot for Troy to kind of lick their wounds, um, and uh, you know, it, it, it's touch three. I don't know if I'd mess around with three. That's why I took the cheapest money line, which I think is minus 135. But I think this is kind of a bounce back opportunity for Troy after losing by four touchdowns last week to Kansas State. I mean, Troy's a pretty darn good program, as you alluded to, Matt. So, uh, yeah, two bets uh, against Virginia schools uh, this week. I, I took Troy on the money line and I, I took Buffalo plus three and a half. All right. Uh, give us one or two others that you're interested in tomorrow. Yeah, these are these are going to take some. Uh, uh, it's it's never easy, uh, as I learned last week with uh, Texas Tech catching the points against Oregon. Uh, but I 
I, I stick to uh, stick to the way I like to roll, and uh, I'm going Florida here. Florida plus the six and a half. Uh, I think they might win this game outright. They're playing Tennessee. You could argue this is the game of the week. Um, you know, number eleven Tennessee at Florida. Uh, Tennessee has you know similar to as I mentioned with Liberty. I mean Tennessee. What do we know about Tennessee so far? Yes, they you know beat Virginia and covered uh, in the opener, and then they struggled against an FCS opponent last week in Austin P. Florida looked really ugly against Utah. And then, you know, beat an FCS opponent in McNeese State last week. Uh, I do like the desperation spot here for Florida. They're at home, Matt. Uh, Billy Napier needs it, man. I mean, if you look at the the rivals on Florida's uh, schedule each and every year, he's lost to all of them, uh, you know, losing 24 to 11 to start the year. And if you go back and look at that Utah game, it really wasn't as bad as you may have thought. Uh, the first play of the game offensively for Utah, they go for 70 yards. And after that, Matt, Utah gained 200 yards of offense. Now, they were without Cam Rising, understandably so, but I think this Florida team is better than we expect. I think there's a sense of desperation down there uh, that they need to get this win. I don't know if Billy Napier's long for Florida. Uh, it might be just a, a two-and-done there, but I think this is the spot uh, to look to back the Gators here. Uh, the starting center for Florida is back, so that's a, that's a big spot there. And then uh, lastly, you know, this one... Uh, there, there are two that kind of intrigue me. One more in, in your realm, and then uh, this one is just you know a stinky, stinky line. Uh, I'll go with Missouri uh, taking on Kansas State. Kansas State obviously is uh, has gotten off to a great start this year. Uh, you know, just uh, hammered uh, Troy last week. They're a top fifteen program, but. I think this might be the oper- this might be the time where they show how much they're missing Deuce Vaughn, who was kind of their everything running back last year. Um, you know, Will Howard, their quarterback, is is pretty darn good, but I think Missouri in this spot last year they lost by four touchdowns uh, against this Kansas State team, forty to twelve. I think Mizzou is kind of that all time you know revenge type of angle. We've seen the market uh, move towards Mizzou this week, despite uh, the public being all over Kansas State. So. So uh, I'm going to take the four with Missouri at home against Kansas State. And then the last one, uh, a little bit further off the radar, I think it's a great situational spot to fade Cincinnati. Cincinnati uh, went to Pittsburgh last week, uh, pulled out the outright upset as a touchdown underdog. Next week, Matt, they welcome Oklahoma to town for their Big 12 opener. This weekend, they've got to worry about their, you know, in-town rivals, so to speak, Miami of Ohio. Uh, they've beaten Miami of Ohio 16 straight times. Uh, I'm going to take two touchdowns with the Red Hawks here. I think it's a good spot uh, with the veteran team and Brett Gabbert. Uh, they have a, a Southeast Louisiana transfer wide receiver who's been stepping up there for the Red Hawks. And, you know, I, I thought this was interesting. This was pointed out. You know, think back to week one when Miami played Miami of Florida, right? That number was... Uh, I think around 16, Matt. Well, this number's 14. Do you really think that Miami's only two points better than Cincinnati? Now, once again, you got to remember, Miami's of Ohio got their doors blown off in that situation, but uh, I think this is a spot to, you know, maybe grab uh, Miami in a rivalry game. Uh, in a situational, you know, let down, look ahead type of spot for for Cincinnati. So I'm going to grab uh, the Red Hawks here plus the two touchdowns uh, on the road. All right. Uh, so yeah, the plenty of games tomorrow. Uh, let's go to Sunday. So I I said my first segment. I want to pick the Commanders to win because I think they're better than Denver, but I need to see them to win. Uh, they're three and a half point underdogs against Denver. Any thoughts on that one? 
Yeah, I'm going to lay it with Denver. Um, you know, Washington got me to uh, kept me alive last week in in Survivor. Um, and you know, uh, an odds maker once told me, and it's not gospel, but he said sometimes the line tells you a story, and if it's two and a half, more often than not, the dog is the right side, and if it's three and a half, more often than not, the favorite is the right side because. If there was dog money coming in, that move, move money uh, that that line, excuse me, will get off three and a half. And if there was, you know, dog money on the favorite, the line would go from two and a half up to three. So I just think this is a really good spot to potentially buy low on Denver. Um, you know, Washington looked a bit sloppy last week. Uh, now you got to go on the road. This will be Sam Howell's first true road game. Uh, desperation here for the Broncos coming off of uh, a surprising loss to Las Vegas. And if you're Denver, man, you cannot start 0-2 with two home games, especially as a favorite in both of those games. So, you know, trusting in Russell Wilson these days is is never a, uh, a promising and uh, a, a money-making endeavor. But uh, I think Denver takes care of business here. I, honestly, I mean, I'm going to bet Denver. I hope I'm wrong, right, because I'm, I'm a Washington fan. But uh, I think Denver uh, can can take care of business here and, and uh, make life pretty challenging for, for Sam Howell in his first road to start. All right, one more for uh, NFL Week 2, the overreaction week, we always like to say. Yeah. Um, I, you know, Cincinnati could be a spot. You know, that was a look ahead of three and a half down to three. Uh, they lose week one in the rain against Cleveland. That was a spot that I really like Cleveland there. And I think Mother Nature helped me out. Uh, and Baltimore, you got to note this Baltimore's dealing with a ton of injuries. Uh, Mark Andrews uh, did practice today, but it looks like they're going to be missing, I believe, Ronnie Stanley. Their left tackle is out. Tyler Linderbaum, their center is out. Marlon Humphrey is out. Mark Marcus Williams is out, and uh, Mark William or Mark Andrews, excuse me, is, is listed as questionable. So they're dealing with a bunch of injuries, uh, as you mentioned. You know, overreaction week. Uh, does everyone think that Cincinnati stinks now? I don't think that's the case. I don't think people think they stink, but I, I do think the Bengals uh, could be an interesting spot. And then, lastly, I think Sunday night football is going to be interesting. I know New England's dealing with a bunch of injuries. I think uh, in their on their offensive line, but you know, Miami goes out to L.A. and looks like world beaters. I, I would imagine a lot of people are going to be laying the three with Miami on Sunday night football. I don't think it's going to be that easy. Uh, and as you know, as you saw uh, with your Philadelphia Eagles, they ultimately got the cover in week one in New England, but that was a challenge. I mean, New England defensively has got some things going there. You actually, you know, have an offensive coordinator calling your plays, which is, you know, a stunning development there. So uh, I think New England's going to be a, a feisty dog on Sunday night. Make sure to check him out on Twitter at one Tim Murray and uh, check out VSIM prime time 6 to 9 p.m eastern time and uh, uh he joins us every 3 15 every friday uh tim thanks so much we'll talk to you again next week all right matt always appreciate it man all right uh, that is uh tim murray giving you his thoughts on the slate for the weekend let's take a time out coming up we'll give you my thoughts on the slate for the weekend as well as apparently aaron Rodgers just revealed on the pat mcafee show how he plans to get back to the NFL faster, we'll t- talk about that as well as a funny moment on Nick Saban's coaches show. You're listening to 1061 ESPN. He serves up a whole lot of sports with a whole lot of opinion, which means you've got a whole lot of listening to do. Big Al is live from 8 to 10 weekday mornings on 1061 ESPN Richmond. Welcome back. 1061 ESPN Matt Joseph's here uh, taking up to four o'clock. Um, it pains me to say this because I do, I do expect more from my announcers, but I, I, I think Al Michaels needs to 
stop doing this job. I, I just, last night, it's kind of a culmination after last year, too. Like, the the playoff chant, the last game he did was that huge comeback win by the Jaguars, I believe, and the field goal that won it, he was like, he called it like it was any other play. There was no excitement. There was no feeling. This is the same guy who did the miracle on ice back in, you know, 1980. And here he is doing this, and it's just, and last night, he's just, he doesn't have the energy he still has. He called it the vet last night, which it's Lincoln Financial Field. And it's just, he's, between him and Herb Street, and I think Herb Street has some great things, but you could tell that Herb Street's just doing this for a paycheck. Like, Herb Street loves college football. I love college football. Herb Street grew up, you know, college football. He does a great job on college football broadcast, but it just feels like this is just, a paycheck to him doing the NFL. Like it almost like I said on Twitter and not everybody agreed. Like it feels like he almost looks down on the NFL. Like, ah, you're not as good as college football, which by the way, I think college football in some respects is better than, than pro football. Um, it's just a bad broadcasting crew. And it's a shame because obviously Amazon paid a lot of money and Amazon, um, you know, a lot of people will watch Amazon, but to see these two guys just, I don't know, mail it in. Kind of disappointing. I almost wish they had a Manning cast, which I'm guessing soon enough they will. I know they tried to steal McAfee to do one, but he obviously is ESPN's property now. So I don't know. It was just disappointing. Al Michaels is such a legend, and it's just like he's mailing it in. It's just he doesn't give it the same excitement that he always has. And so that was kind of uh, frustrating <laughs> Frustrating about the game last night. All right, so let's get into some of these uh, games. By the way, we are watching Pat McAfee in the studio. Obviously, it's on mute. I can't have it on in the background. On the show, I don't know, it was earlier today, he had his interview with Aaron Rodgers. And for those who, for those who haven't heard, like my, my theory on McAfee is I just... I don't love what he does, but I have mad respect for what he does. I think he appeals. The people he appeals to absolutely loves him, and I think what he does, he's just different to me. He's different. And that when you say somebody's different, that means people love him, people hate him. I don't hate him. I just will not necessarily tune on to his show when it's on. I mean, I think I have a healthy respect for what Pat McAfee does. And I think he's really good at what he does. It's just not my type of... I mean, he does give a lot of opinions. He's very opinionated, like me. Um, but he, he's he, and he's he's a mediocre interviewer. But like he has Aaron Rodgers on, and Aaron Rodgers today explains that he's going to be he's going to try to be back this season. And he said, as part of his rehab, and this is one hundred percent serious. I wish we had the audio of this. He said, as part of his rehab, he's going to be listening to Dolphins mating, essentially. There's ideas that some of the noises from dolphins when they're mating, the frequency is actually healthy to the body. Like, let that soak in for a second. When you, like, think about the mental state of the guy, and I'm sure there's people out there like, yeah, dolphins! Dolphins, yes! But he, yeah, he's going to be listening to a lot of dolphin lovemaking. In in that respect, it's he's just weird, and like I never root for injuries, I never do. But like, and I feel bad for Jets fans, but it's like he's just so out there. Like you, I don't even know, I don't understand how you could even believe that. But that's what he did. He said that out loud. Now he could just be screwing with everybody. Like he could just enjoy that. Just be like, what can I say to get people to talk about me? Oh, let me just talk about dolphins in a different way. So yeah. 
That's what Aaron Rodgers is going to do. All right, so it's college football tonight. Um, I really think that you I, I like the over in this game tonight. I think UVA is going to score some points. I think I think it's just the defense is just not going to be able to slow down Maryland. Uh, I think that this is this game screams like 34-21. It opened at 50 and a half, went down to 47 and a half, went up a little bit. Um I, I look, I think Virginia's offense is better than I expected, although I might have gone with Calandria instead of Tony Musket. And I think if Tony Musket starts slow, maybe we see Calandria. And maybe we see Calandria anyway. But I I I don't know. I get where you come from that like you shouldn't lose your job because of injury, but I also get the get the fact that if you're if you your replacement plays really well, like he shouldn't lose his job because he was awesome. If the guy behind Musket or the guy behind the guy who has the injury is terrible, yeah, it's easy. Go back to him. Um, I hope we see Calandria tonight because I think he'll provide something a little bit different than Tony Musket will. I'm thinking it's going to be like a 31-21 type of game maybe, 34-20 type of game. Around that, I think there's a chance UVA covers tonight. I, I think Maryland's defense is exploitable. I just think, I really do think Virginia emptied the emotional bucket. I just think that they come into this game flat at the start. Maryland's crowd gets into it. Maybe Maryland scores early. Maybe it's like 10 nothing at the end of the first quarter, 10-3, whatever it is. That's why I took Maryland in the first quarter. I just, I, I fully expect on the short week and a road game against a rival coming off of a terrible first quarter, I think Loxley has them ready early and Virginia's down. So, we'll see. Basically, all I want to see is is Virginia take some steps. Like, I want to see Virginia take the next step in the progression as a program. Even if they lose, you can at least... What I ultimately want to see is something positive for them to carry forward to their next game, which is NC State on it. Well, it, wouldn't, it would be a short week, but it's not because it's a week from now. NC State, Friday, September 22nd. Here in... Well, not here, but in Charlottesville. I just want to see every week I want to come on the air and be like, all right, Virginia, well, their defense wasn't very good, but the run game looked really good. But Musket took the next step. But the offensive line didn't get the quarterback killed, whatever it is. Because remember, look, Virginia was never going to make the national championship game. The national championship is literally the only goal that's out the window right now because they haven't played a single ACC game. Same goes for Tech. They haven't played a single ACC game, so Virginia could be using this to get ready, and then they play ACC games, and then all of a sudden it's like, all right, we woke up. We're ready. So that's what you kind of use these preseason, these non-conference games for. I know they still got William & Mary coming up October 7th. I know that. But there's two conference games before then. That's all I'm looking for tonight. I know it's sad if you're a UVA fan. That's like kind of a sad way to look at it is to be like, oh, well, we want to just, you know, have something right. But then, And I want to see Tony Elliott continue to coach well because that's the other important thing when it comes to this whole situation is I want to know Tony Elliott's the right man going forward. And he needs something to recruit people to. He needs something for people to be like, yeah, you know. So we'll see what happens. Uh, Virginia Tech is essentially the same thing. I'm not expecting much from the Hokies. Their team total on DraftKings is 14 and a half. I don't know how they're going to score 14 points without Jalen uh, without um, Ali Jennings. We'll see what happens with Jalen Lane. Um, we'll see. I just um, you know 
Jalen Lane was out there in practice on Wednesday. They're going to evaluate him pregame. Grant Wells was dressed and limited. This is the part that was open to the media. Nasir Peoples did not see him out there. Looked full go Keyshawn Burgos. So we'll see. Jalen Lane could be a game-time decision. Without Jalen Lane and Ali Jennings, we're back to last year. And I don't know how they score. Rutgers' defense is pretty good. Rutgers' offense will keep them in the game. But I, I want to see Tech's defense play well, maybe force a turnover, and keep this thing low scoring like the total says. And then real quick on the other state schools, ODU got a shot against Wake. I mean, I don't think they're going to win, but they could go over that game. 61 the total over? I think an important thing is similar to Virginia, even if you don't win, keep positive momentum going. They had a very good win, I think an upset win, in my opinion, over Louisiana. Just keep the momentum going. Don't get run off the field if you do lose. Right, and show up. Because, you know, Wake Forest fans are going to show up. I'd like to see the ODU student section there. I know it's a noon game, and noon games are never the friend of the college student, but get some atmosphere. Yeah, I I unfortunately won't be down there, so I'm kind of calling out people for something I can't do anyways, but please go out there, ODU fans. It's it's a great fan base when we show out. So, yeah, and then uh, Liberty Buffalo, I don't know. I mean, it's a tough road game, but Buffalo just lost to an FCS team. I could see where Tim says take the three and a half. There's three and a half on DraftKings. Um, and then the JMU game. You guys know I love JMU, but I'm 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 taking the Troy money line too. I I just I think they're gonna struggle for motivation in this game. Like I understand there's plenty of motivation. Sunbelt game should have been the opponent last year in the Sunbelt championship game, but you just beat your inst- you just beat an in-state school in their building and had a whole week where everybody was talking you up and then Tuesday you have an unfocused practice and I don't know look coach might have been Wednesday might have been a terrible practice but maybe coach didn't want to say anything I just JMU's young in certain spots and they're either going to lose this game or potentially lose the Utah State game one of these two next two is going to be a disappointing effort I think it's this week I, I I hope they don't revoke my quote-unquote JMU card here, but I think I'm taking Troy. I mean, it's not. The, I mean, Troy is a good team, and like you said, there could be spots during the season with no bowl game where motivation could come into question. I'm not accusing any of these kids, but there's some games like when you face Virginia, Old Dominion, Marshall, App State, Coast, so you can find some motivation. But every once in a while, it's like UConn, Troy, it can be lacking a bit, right? Or Utah State, like you said, there's no bowl game in the future. And yes, technically they they'll believe they won the Sun Belt, but they won't have the banner there if they do. So every once in a while, you have to wonder about the motivation. Right. So, I mean, I would not be surprised if they won. And then when we look at the Utah State game, my feelings will be different. But I would also not be surprised if they lost. And I wouldn't talk them down if they lost. Um, I just think this is situationally, which as a handicapper you have to look at, situationally, it's a bad spot for James Madison. We'll see. Be a nice win if they got it. Uh, 3270-888, that is the phone number, that is the text line, 804 is the area code. I'll touch on a couple of other games real quick. Um, I think this Colorado-Colorado State game got really interesting. You know, Colorado probably would have slept walk through this thing and maybe still will sleepwalk through this thing, but Jay Norvell saying what he said yesterday didn't help. And Dion today, excuse me, Coach Prime, today bought sunglasses for all his kids. Um, Dion, Coach Prime, basically went to practice and, and told his kids, and his kids were, as I said yesterday, like his kids are buying in, and that's more dangerous than anything else. And so I'm not telling you to take the 23 and a half, but Colorado was going to sleepwalk through this game. Now they're not. Now they won't. 
10 o'clock game. I don't know what channel it's on. I think it's the ESPN game. Because um, there's not a loaded lineup this weekend. I, well, yeah, there's the, the the lineup is not necessarily the greatest. I'm looking it up here. Yeah, it's on ESPN, so there you go. You can watch uh, Coach Prime. Uh, what am I saying? Every Colorado yeah. game will be on somewhere. And then after this, they get Oregon-USC. So one, I think game day will probably go to Colorado for USC. Game day's in Colorado today? Oh, they're they're already there. Game, okay. Yeah, game day is in – yeah, because it's a really rough slate. So yeah, Maybe they'll try and change the rules and go again. But, I mean, it's just – I didn't have any interest in USC-Colorado before now, but now it's going to be an amazing matchup. Yes, and uh, we'll see what Coach Prime has for his in-state rivals in Colorado State. And then uh, I'll give you one more. Backyard brawl, 7.30. Will Pittsburgh lose two straight or will West Virginia get the win? That's a nice rivalry. It's a 7.30 game, plenty of time to uh, burn couches in West Virginia and get ready for that one properly. Um, so, yeah, a couple of rivalries. The Miami-Ohio-Cincinnati game is the victory bell. They are going for the victory bell. Uh, Georgia and South Carolina in the SEC openers for both teams. That's interesting. Um, yeah, it's not a great slate, but there's still some opportunities. North Carolina hosts Minnesota. North Carolina needs to win there. The conference, the ACC, needs to have a good week this week. Duke gets Northwestern. They cannot lose that game. Uh, and then soon enough, we'll start heading into conference play. So um, that's what happens this week in college football. All right, let's take a timeout. We'll talk about the NFL as well as we now know the day and the time as to when the Squirrels' first playoff game will be. We'll tell you when that is next, 106.1 ESPN. Facing a second straight playoff appearance out of the CAA. Follow them on their quest every step of the way. Here on your home for the Richmond Spiders, 106.1 ESPN. Welcome back. 106.1 ESPN. Matt Joseph's here. The Squirrels just announced that uh, they will host Game 1 of their Division Series Tuesday at the Diamond at 6.35. The lots will open at 3.30. The ballpark gates will open at 5.30. If uh, the Squirrels win the Division Series, they'll host Game 2 of the Eastern League Championship Series Tuesday, September 26th, and if necessary, the 27th out at the Diamond. So congratulations to the Squirrels for making the playoffs two years in a row. Uh, squirrelsbaseball.com is your place to uh, get tickets for the games. Um, all right, so I've got about two minutes left. I mean, I, I kind of said my piece with regards to the Commanders. I think they're the better team in this game. I think they have the better team, but I don't trust them on the road. Um, I don't trust Russell Wilson. That's for darn sure. Russell Wilson is um, didn't play great in the first game of the season. Um, I know it's the first game of the season, and I understand that he's still learning Sean Payton's system, but he's a veteran by now. Um, it's going to be a low-scoring game. I'd like to see them try and run the ball. Denver's run defense isn't bad. It's not the worst thing in the world, but it's also not the greatest thing ever. Um, I'd like to see them play keep away more than just kind of keep up. And by the way, if there's anybody who's going to be familiar with Eric Bieniemy's system, it would be a team in the AFC West that saw it for two games a year. And so Denver will know a lot more of the wrinkles that Eric Bieniemy has. Will they be able to translate it on the field? That's completely different. So um, we'll see. But I, I want to take Washington. I want to take Washington plus the three and a half. But I don't. I just don't know if I can do it. It's going to be one of those things where I have to see it uh, before I actually do it. And we'll see. Maybe they move to two and zero. Join Dallas. Join Philly as two and zero in the division. And uh, we'll see what happens. Uh, thanks to our guest today, Tim Murray, at uh, one Tim Murray on Twitter. 
VEASAN primetime, 6 to 9 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, check it out. He always has good content, him and Sean King. And, uh, of course, he has the uh, College Football Betting Podcast as well. Don't forget, we got plenty of college football and NFL action on our airwaves this coming weekend. As always, go to our website, ESPNRichmond.com, to get the schedule so that way you know what we have. Chances are we've got live uh, play-by-play on our airwaves. Uh, thanks to Robert for all his hard work. Bob Black in the Sports Huddle coming up next from 4 until 6. I will be back on Monday, 3 to 4, here on 106.1 ESPN. Are you looking for that smooth enhanced?